are wrapping up this series. We've been doing this last several weeks called Pressure. Everybody say pressure. I know some of y'all are sad because you're not going to get to hear that song in church anymore. You're like, oh my goodness. But man, what an incredible series that we've had over this last three weeks. We've been talking about pressure. How many of you would say, man, I got some pressure in my life? Come on, raise your hand. Pressure, man, there's so much pressure that we face so many times in this life. Pressure at work, pressure at school, pressure on, on our job, pressure in our family, pressure in, in every, so many areas of our lives that we face the pressure. And on top of the normal, everyday pressure that you face in life, we face an even greater pressure as Christians, as followers of Christ. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That in a culture that we live in today, there is this constant pressure for us to just kind of conform to the ways of the world. In fact, we've been talking about it in this series that for the first time in over a hundred years in America, Christians are actually in the minority. And man, I'm telling you what, that, that the culture will constantly place this pressure upon us to try to conform us into the mold and into the pattern of this world. But we have made a decision in this series that we will not Conform. So everybody say that with me today. We will not conform. Come on, you're going to have to say it like you mean it. We will not conform. And we have decided that as followers of Christ, as Jesus Christ Church, we have decided that we will not conform to the pressure or to the pattern of this world around us. And that instead of letting the cult, our lives reflect the culture, we're going to be a people who will let our lives set the culture around us, that instead of letting the world shape us or letting the world change us, that we will be a people that our lives will bring about change in the world. And in this series, we've had kind of this key verse that has just been kind of pushing us through this series. We're going to say it again today. It's on the screen there in your notes. I want you to say it aloud with me. It's found in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. And I'm going to tell you, as I've told you every single week, in order to say it aloud, you're going to have to move your mouth, okay? And sound is going to have to come out. So we're going to try this together. You ready? One, two, three. Romans 12 and 2 says, do not not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Come on, give yourselves a hand. You did a good job. And here's what we decided. We decided we will not conform to the pattern of this world, but instead we will get so close to God. We will spend so much time with God and in his word that his presence begins to transform us from the inside out. And we will be so transformed that it begins to bring about a change in the culture and in the world around us. You say, well, that sounds really good, Pastor, but that sounds kind of hard. Like, how in the world do we do that? And that's what we've been studying in this series. We've been looking at this incredible book in the Old Testament, a book by the name of Daniel, the book of Daniel. And what's so great about the book of Daniel is that it really kind of is a reflection of the kind of world that we live in today. And in the book of Daniel, we found out that we see these guys, Daniel and his friends, 
that are taken over by the Babylonian Empire. They are brought in to live inside of this inside of this culture that is a very non-godly culture, a very pagan type of culture. And there's this incredible pressure upon these guys to conform to the ways of the Babylonian culture around them. But we see time and time and time again that Daniel and the other Hebrews, that they stand up underneath the pressure. In fact, we started the first week of the series by looking at Daniel chapter 1. And man, we saw some incredible pressure that the culture will place upon us. And we saw that Daniel decided, hey, I'm just going to put God's way to the test. And at the end of the test, he found out that God's ways are 10 times better. Pretty cool, right? Then last week, we looked at Daniel chapter 3. And we talked about three of my favorite guys in the Bible, Shadrach, Meshach, and a billy goat. Anybody remember those guys? Actually, it was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we talked about the pressure that they were under when they found themselves underneath the pressure cooker of the fiery furnace. But they learned some incredible things that even when we can't see God's hand, we can always trust his heart. Man, that was good stuff. You might want to go back and listen to the podcast from that one. This morning, what we're going to do is we're going to just skip ahead a little bit to Daniel chapter 6. In fact, if you have your Bibles, why don't you go ahead and pull those out this morning. You can also look at your LifeGate app or in your notes here this morning. We're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the pressure that Daniel found himself underneath a changing culture. How many know that the culture is changing all around us? What do we do when the culture is changing around us? I know that there are a lot of Christians that have just kind of decided, well, maybe we'll just kind of hang out. Maybe we'll just kind of bury our head in the sand and just kind of pretend like this stuff is not happening. You know, there are a lot of churches that kind of just decide, well, we'll just kind of get inside the four walls of our church. And amen, brother, we'll just hold on till Jesus comes. Amen. (laughs) But how many know that's not what God's called us to do? God has called us to stand up and to stand out in this culture. That I believe that God, and what we will see in the life of Daniel, that God has called us to be so different that we begin to make a difference in the world around us. That our lives begin to stand out. That others would see our lives, and and they would see as Christians and as a church, and they would look at our lives and they'd go, hey, those people aren't weird, and those people aren't mean, and those people aren't old-fashioned, but there's something so attractive about their lives that I don't know if I understand it, I don't know if I really get it or whatever, but I want what they have, that our lives would be so exemplary that we would begin to shine a light into the darkness around us. And that's what we see happen with Daniel here in Daniel chapter 6. We're going to see that that Daniel, now he's grown to be quite a bit older than he was when we first met him. In Daniel chapter 1, he was about 16, 17 years old. Now we're going to find that it's about 60 years later and Daniel's about 75 years old. And, and we're going to see that Daniel, even though the culture is changing around him, that a new king, a guy from Persia, a guy by the name of Darius comes in and he is a new king. And we're going to see once again, this pressure upon Daniel's life. Let's read it together in Daniel chapter six and verse number one. It says, it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom. These with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel and the satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. 
Now, Daniel so distinguished himself. Check that out. Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities. Everybody say exceptional qualities. By his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the entire kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in the conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could not find any corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis of charge against this man, Daniel. Man, check this out for a second. Here's Daniel living his life in such a way, so exemplary. Daniel had such exemplary qualities that the king and everybody else looked at him and said, man, there's something different about Daniel. In fact, Daniel had such integrity and such excellence in the way that he lived his life that even though he was a foreigner, even though he wasn't a Babylonian or a Persian, even though he was a Jewish man living in a non-Jewish culture, the king saw his life and there was something so different about the way that he lived that the king said, I want to put this guy in charge of the entire kingdom. Pretty cool stuff. In fact, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this key thought down that's really been throughout the series. We've been seeing this same thing over and over and over again. And that is this. In order to make a difference, you're going to have to be different. In fact, that's what we see from Daniel. We see that Daniel's life is so different that the difference in Daniel begins to make a difference in the culture around him. And maybe that's what God has called us to be as Christians. Maybe as followers of Christ, maybe God has called us to live lives that are so different that people notice the difference in us. In fact, maybe if you're not different than the world around you, maybe you need to take it, your look at your life and see, am I really following Jesus? Is there something different about my life? Is there something different about the things I post on Facebook? Is there something different about the way that I talk? Is there something different about my weekend than somebody else's weekend? Is there something different about the way I treat my wife or the way I treat my kids or how hard I work when I go to work? And this is what we see in Daniel, that Daniel was so exemplary, that he was so different that the difference in him began to make a difference in the culture around him. I think this is what... Peter was talking about in the book of 2 Peter, we see this passage that really kind of parallels the life of Daniel. I want to look at it here in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 11. Look what he says. He says, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles. How many know that's what Daniel was? That's what we are in the world that we live in. He says, here's what I urge you to do, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Look at this, verse 12. Live such good lives. Everybody say, good lives. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. Isn't this what we see happen with Daniel? That Daniel was living such a good life 
that even though the other satraps were looking at his life, trying to find something wrong with him, like accusing him of doing wrong, but they couldn't even find nothing wrong with him. Like the only thing they could find wrong with him was that he prayed too much. How many know if that's the only thing you're doing wrong, your life is going to be exemplary? And that's what we see with Daniel. That's what we see with, with Peter. He's telling us, hey, I want you to live such a good life. I want you to live in such a way that people will look at your life and they will see something different about you. And they'll say, I want what you have. In fact, they will say, let's glorify God because of the good things that are happening in your life. I believe that's what God has called us to as Christians. I believe that God has called us to live in such a way, not just in our words and not just in what we say, but in how we live. So how do we do that? Like, how do we live this kind of life that stands out among the crowd? How do we live this kind of life that Daniel lived? Well, I want to look at it for just a second. I want you to notice four kind of pressure points, four kind of exemplary qualities that we see in Daniel's life. We see him as well here in this passage in First Peter. The first one is this, is we're going to have to learn to serve. Everybody say serve. We're going to have to learn to serve. See, see here's the deal. How, how do we stand out? In a culture, how do we as a church begin to make a difference in the culture around us? Here's what's gonna here's where it's gonna come from. It's gonna come from this heart to serve others. In fact, that's what we see here in verse number 13. It says that we should submit ourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor or supreme authority. Verse 15, for it is God's will that by doing good, we would silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Here's what we see in Daniel's life, that Daniel was so committed to serving the king, that he was submitted to the king's authority and he committed himself to serving the king. Like his question to the king was just, hey, what do you want me to do? What can I do for you? How can I serve you? And even though Daniel didn't believe the same thing that the king believed, Daniel served him anyway. Here's the deal, guys. What kind of difference could it make in your work if you went to your work with this attitude that, hey, I'm here not so that this job and these people can serve me, but I'm here to serve others? Like, like what kind of difference could it make in your unbelieving, unchristian boss if you just went up to them and just was like, hey, how can I serve you? What can I do? How can I do things better? How can I make your life easier. What kind of difference could it make? I mean, after you pick them up off the floor because they fainted, then they might ask you like, whoa, what's different about you, right? I mean, think about it. Some of you, I, I see you week after week and you come to church and you come by yourself and your spouse doesn't come to church and, and you think, man, I wish I could get my spouse to church or I wish I could get my spouse to serve the Lord or whatever. And, and what kind of difference could it make if instead of nagging on them all the time to come to church, what if you just decided, hey, I may not believe the same thing as him, but I'm just going to serve. Like, how can I help you? How can I serve you? I'm just going to serve you so much that one day they're going to be like, what are they teaching at that church? Maybe I need to go and find out what they're teaching about because I see such a difference in your life. See, here's the deal, guys, is that we don't change people or reach people by how loud we shout. We reach people by how low we go to serve. And that's what we see in Daniel, that Daniel didn't say, hey, what's in it for me? Daniel decided, I'm going to serve people. I'm going to reach people by just deciding, hey, I'm just going to love. I'm just going to serve. 
You know, I see that in our, in our youth pastor here at LifeGate. How many appreciate Pastor Seth? Doesn't he do a great job? I'm going to brag on him for just a second. In fact, I just saw it just this past week that, that when, when Pastor Seth came to the church a couple of years ago, he just decided, you know, I want to reach the students in the schools and I want to reach those teachers and those principals in the high schools here in the Burleson area. And so he decided the best way that I can think of to reach those people is just decide I'm going to just serve them. And so he just set up a meeting with some of the principals. He went and sat down. He's like, hey, I'm a new youth pastor in town. What can I do to help you? How can I serve you? That didn't really work. And so he set up another meeting the next year, and he brought a little list of stuff like, here's all the stuff that I could do. What can I do to help you? And over and over, as he just decided just to, just to be there, just to help, just to serve. In fact, I don't know if you know this, but he goes to the schools, to Centennial High School, every single Tuesday. He goes over there to eat, eat lunch with the kids. And not only is he eating lunch with the kids, but while he's there, like he's helping clean up and he's helping the, helping the janitors. And he goes and picks up coffee and takes it to the ladies in the office. Those ladies love him, you know? Uh, and and just, just this last week, when school started on Monday, he got up at 6 o'clock in the morning and went and got coffee and took it to all the teachers and the principals and the people in the office at all of the middle schools and high schools in the area. Pretty cool, right? A couple of weeks ago when, uh, when football started up, he, took, he went to Chick-fil-A and bought 150 Chick-fil-A sandwiches and took it out there to the coaches and the kids at practice and just said, hey, I just want to be here. I just want to serve. I just want to help. I just want to do whatever I can do. And can I tell you, it's working. In fact, they invited him to be the chaplain for the Centennial High School football team. Pretty cool. On Friday, he was out there Friday morning before practice teaching, like preaching a sermon about what the Bible says about teamwork, and apparently it worked because they won 51 to nothing on Friday night, like pretty cool. And he was able to have influence. He's actually been invited to be on some of the committees there at the, at the school, all because he just decided, hey, I just want to serve people. How can I serve? How can I do something to help? And what would happen in the church if we would just decide to be a people who instead of yelling and screaming on Facebook about what we don't like about the culture, what if we just decided, hey, I'm going to roll up my sleeves and I'm going to find somebody that I can help. I'm going to find somebody that I can serve. Maybe my neighbor, maybe a a school teacher, maybe somebody at work. And I just decide, hey, I'm going to just roll up my sleeves and go to work. I'm going to serve. You know, that word serve is kind of a Bible kind of a word, and sometimes we don't really understand what that, what that really means. But here's what serve really means. You want to know what it really means? It just means you first. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, you first. Look at your other neighbor and tell them, you first. Actually, you probably should tell them, you second, because I picked you second. But <laughs> You first. You know, we live in a me first type of a, type of a society, don't we? I mean, you know, everywhere that we go, it's about me, 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 me. But what would happen? Like, how would we stand out in the culture if we just decided to be a people who would say, hey, no, not me first, you first. Like in the line at, gro- at the grocery store, hey, you, you go ahead and go before me. Like, you go ahead. Like, when you're, when you're in traffic over here on 174 and people go on that third lane until right there before the high school, and, and you know what I'm talking about? And they're just like cutting in, you're like, me, 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 right? Some of you, that was you. You're the one doing that I'm just saying what if we were like hey no 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 there's like 10 cars go ahead and go ahead go ahead go in front of me go in front of me go in front of me that's what it means to serve 
In fact, that's what Jesus did. That's what the scripture tells us that Jesus did. Look what it says in Philippians 2 and verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility. Look at this. Value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you looking to the interests of others in relationship with one another and have the same mindset. One translation says the same attitude as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather he came down and made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a what? Of a servant. God said, here's how I'm going to reach the world. Here's the exemplary quality that's going to happen and that my son is going to have that's going to make a difference in the world, that he's going to come down from heaven, his throne in heaven, and he's going to come down to this earth and he's going to come not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And that's the same thing God has called us to do, that we would have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. If we're going to make a difference in the world, we're going to be different, and that difference is going to be that we're going to serve one another. So everybody say serve. Serve. Number two, write this one down. Here's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to love. Let me tell you something here today. You're not going to win people over. You're not going to change people's heart by getting into a doctrinal debate. I'm telling you, you can't argue people to the Lord. It's not like one day they're going to be just like, hey, you know what, you made such a great argument, and those three points, they just changed my heart, and now I'm going to... Huh, that's not how it happens. But you know what? We can change people's hearts by the way that we love, by showing them the love of God. In fact, here's the deal is people don't care nearly as much about how much you know as they care about how much you, how much you care for them, how much you love them. And that doesn't mean that we don't speak the truth. We've talked about that in this series, that we're going to stand for convictions and we're going to stand for the truth. But even when we speak the truth, here's what we're going to do. We're going to speak it in love. We're going to speak it with kindness. And that's what, that's what God has called us to do. And, and you know, the truth is, In this world, there is so much hate and so much tension. Man, we see it. You just watch the news. You see it. There's this tension in relationships. There's this tension with with racial tensions and tension for political reasons and all that kind of stuff. And what could happen if the church just decided, man, we're going to love people no matter what? In fact, it's our love that is the greatest witness to the world. In fact, that's what it says in verse number 17, that we should love the family of believers, that we ought to love one another so much that people look at us and go, man, I wish I had what they've got. But you know what happens so many times? So many churches can't get along and they're fighting and all that stuff and the world looks on and goes, why would I want to be a part of that? But man, when there is a, when there is a love for one another, it just, man, it makes a difference in the culture. I saw it just this past week, just uh, just this last week, there was a tragedy that, that took place, and one of the families in the church lost a loved one in a very tragic way. And so we had a memorial service for them just uh, 
on, on Tuesday, and it was amazing as I saw, like, so many people from the church just coming to the memorial service and being there for them, and just the love that you felt in the community and in the room as the church took care of their needs and whatever. And after the funeral service was over, some of the family went back to the house where LifeGate had provided a meal for them, and as they were sitting around, one of the family members pulled aside one of the guys that goes to our church and just said, man, I see something so different in the community and the love that you guys have for one another and the way the church is taking care of each other. I want to know more of that. And right then and there, Gordon was able to lead this guy to a relationship with Jesus. And it was all because of the love that he saw in in the lives of the people, the community that was there. And I'm telling you what, when the world sees that, this is what Jesus said in John 13 and verse 34. He says, your strong love for each other will prove to the world that you are my disciples. What is it that proves that we are his disciples? It's It's not our great services or our incredible music or our nice building or the amazing sermons. You should say amen there. No, 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 no. No, that's not what changes hearts. Here's what changes hearts. Our love for one another. When the world sees how much we love one another, it begins to change people's hearts. And I'll tell you, it's not easy. It's not easy to do because the truth is there's no perfect church. And there's no perfect people. And there's no perfect pastors. I mean, there are times when people are going to get on your nerves. There are times when I'm going to get on your nerves. Not that often, but once every 10 years or so. I mean, there will be times. Yeah. And here's the deal. There are some people that are hard to love. How many know what I'm talking about? Like we call these people around here, we call them EGR people, extra grace required. Anybody know anybody like that? Like if you know somebody like that, don't point at them if they're in the room. That's just not very loving. But here's the deal. I mean, sometimes it's going to be hard to love people. But we make a choice. Everybody say, a choice. We make a choice. Love is not a feeling. Love is a decision that we make. And man, this was evident in Daniel and in his life, in the love that that King Darius had for Daniel. That when they took Daniel, you see later in the story in in Daniel chapter 6, that they accuse him of doing wrong. They can't find anything that he's doing wrong. So they say he prays too much, and so you can't pray. And so then whenever he prays anyway, they take him and throw him into the lion's den. And you see King Darius loved Daniel so much that even though he was a pagan king, the Bible says that he stayed up all night praying to a God that he did didn't even know that God would keep Daniel safe in the lion's den, that he loved him so much. There was something about the way that Daniel had expressed the love for the king, that they had a relationship with one another that began to change the king's heart. If we're going to make a difference in our culture, we're going to have to be different in the way that we serve and in the way that we love. Number three, write this down. Here's what we see in Daniel's life. We see that Daniel was a person of respect. R-E-S-P-E-C-T, find out what it means to me. (laughs) Daniel showed respect. And here's what happens, is that when Daniel gave respect, what happens was that Daniel then, in turn, gained respect. We see it. You read the Bible. You read 
Daniel throughout the entire book of Daniel, and you will see that over and over through four different kings, every time Daniel stood out so much that the kings wanted Daniel to come and be a part of the king's court. In fact, many times Daniel would even tell them bad news, stuff they didn't even want to hear. But Daniel was so honorable and respected and submitted to the authority so much that even though he was the bearer of bad news many times, they wanted this guy to be around him. He had shown so much respect that he began to gain respect. And here's the thing, as a church, as the people of God, if we want to have influence in our culture, then here's what we're going to do. We're going to show honor and respect to the people in authority over us. And when we do, here's what happens. We gain the right to speak into their lives. In fact, here's what Peter said in 1 Peter 2.17. He says, show proper respect to everyone. Everybody say everyone. Everyone. Who's that talking about? Everyone. Like, even if I don't like them? Yes. Even if they're a crummy boss? Yes. Even if they're a sorry president? Yes. Everyone is everyone. And here's, I think, the problem in the, in the Christian world today is that we lack respect. Like, wait, we may be right in what we're saying, but we're wrong in the way we say it. And I see it so much. I mean, especially on social media and on Facebook and on things like that. And I mean, here's the deal. It's easy to be brave when you're sitting behind a keyboard and when you're sitting behind a computer and we'll say things that we would never say to someone's face and we'll say it across the computer and we lack kindness and gentleness and respect. And how many know we have a message that needs to be spoken, but it also needs to be spoken in the right way. And if we'll, if we'll speak the words with respect and with humility and with honor, then we will gain the respect of others and we will gain influence in our lives. Our words will carry more weight because of the respect that we showed and the honor that we showed for those around us. In fact, this is what 1 Peter says in 1 Peter 3.15. He says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Many of us, we start right there and we're like, yeah, I got to give the answer. I got to tell. I got to preach the sermon. I got to post the thing. I got I to gotta, you know, share the article on Facebook and all that kind of stuff. And yes, we should speak the truth. But look what he goes on to say at the end of that. He says, but do this with what? With gentleness. And with respect. Man, respect and honor are at the top of our core values here at LifeGate. In fact, we believe, you can see it hanging out there on the wall. We believe that if we will honor others, that it will in turn bring honor to God. And when we honor people and we respect people, even when we don't agree with them, when when we treat them with kindness and gentleness and with love, when we speak the truth but we do it in love and with honor, here's what happens. We gain the right to speak into their lives. And not only does it honor them, it brings honor to God. Come on, I'm preaching. Y'all aren't saying amen, but I'm, maybe you're saying ouch or something because it's, it's where we're at. We're going to serve. Everybody say serve. serve. We're going to love. Everybody say love. love. We're going to respect. Everybody say respect. respect. Number four, here's what we're going to do. We're going to lead. We're going to be a people who lead in the culture around us. See, Daniel lived in the culture, but he didn't let the culture lead him. Instead, he led the culture by his life. He lived such a life of godliness and integrity 
that he realized that everything that he did and said was representing God. And so he led not just by his words, but by his life. In fact, we see it there in Daniel 6 and verse 4. It says that the other administrators, the high officials, began to search for some fault in the way that Daniel was handling, handling govern, government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was so faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. I'm telling you what, you want to make a difference in this world? You just be these three things, faithful, responsible, and trustworthy. Because I tell you what, you don't find that much in our culture today. You don't find too many people who are faithful, people who are responsible, people who are trustworthy. And I'm telling you, you begin to live out these characteristics in your life, and you're going to have the wow factor. People are going to look at your life and go, wow, something is different about them. Man, I don't understand it. I don't get it all. But, man, they're living like, like they're always responsible and they're always faithful and they're always trustworthy. And it begins, to gain, it begins to gain influence in the world. In fact, Paul talked about this in 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 11. He says, this should be your ambition. This is this what life ought to be about. The ambition of life to be to live a quiet life to mind your own business and do your own work. And just as I told you before, as a result, here's what will happen. People who are not even Christians will trust and respect you. You live in such a way that people who don't even follow God will look at your life and go, man, there's something different about them. Maybe I should follow them. And you gain influence in their life by the way that you are living. You say, well, pastor, how do I do this? Like, how do I... How do I gain this kind of influence? How do I lead people to the Lord? How do I do it? Well, you may just start by just washing your car, cleaning all the junk out of the floorboards. How do you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, maybe, maybe you might even say, hey, I'm going to show up for work on time. Imagine that. Like, I'm going to keep my word. I'm going to pay my bills. Some of you need to turn off the Xbox. You need to take a shower, brush your teeth, put on a button-down shirt, and get up out of bed. How many of you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just going to live such a life that when I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And when I say I'm going to be somewhere... I'm going to be there. And then if something comes up and I can't be there, I'm going to let somebody know that I can't be there. And if I'm going to be late, I'm going to let somebody know that I'm going to be late. And I'm not going to let that just be an excuse. Well, I'm just the kind of person that just late all the time. Guess what? Those type of people don't have influence in the culture. It's the people who are faithful and responsible and trustworthy that then gain the right to influence, to speak the word of God into people's lives. Man, if we could be this kind of people in our culture, imagine the difference that it would make. Imagine, just think of the difference that Jesus made. Look what they said about Jesus in Mark 7 and verse 37. It says, people were overwhelmed and they were amazed. And this is what they said. They said, he has done everything well. They looked at his life. And it wasn't just about what he said or how he taught. It was by how he lived. And they said, wow, like they were overwhelmed with amazement by how this guy lived. And what if people looked at our lives and said, man, they're not perfect, but man, they just seem to do everything well. They just seem to just be an example. They just seem to just be faithful and consistent and always trustworthy. Imagine the difference in time that you could make in your family, in your neighborhood, in your school, in the community, in the world around us. 
This is what Jesus said about us. He said it in Matthew 5 and verse 13. He says, for you are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Jesus said, hey, if we're not living this kind of life, we're no good for anything. He says, you are the light of the world. A town built upon a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, we put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, look at this. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. Jesus says, hey, live in such a way that people see your life and in the midst of the darkness in the culture around us that we will shine the light and it will bring glory, not to ourselves, but to our Father in heaven and we will begin to make a difference in the culture around us. Some of you say, man, this is heavy, like this is, this is hard stuff. How in the world are we going to do this? And let me just tell you, it's not easy. And you can't do it on your own. In fact, on our own, we're selfish. We don't want to serve. On our own, we're unloving. Man, we don't want to love people on our own. Man, we're asking people to give us respect. We don't want to respect people who haven't earned our respect. On our own, man, we can't even lead ourselves, let alone lead other people. But here's the deal. It's not a natural thing. It has to be a supernatural thing. As we look at Daniel's life, here's what we see. that The only way that Daniel lived this exemplary life is that Daniel was different because he had a discipline. Discipline in his life that we see it right here in this chapter, in chapter 6. Three times a day, Daniel got down on his knees and he prayed. And he spent time in the presence of God. And he had done that just even since he was a young boy. Probably 60, 70 years of this discipline in his life. And over time, the presence of God and the time in the presence of God began to transform Daniel from the inside out. And instead of being conformed to the culture around him, he was transformed in the way he thought, in the way that he acted, in the way that he spoke, so much so that it began to change the culture and the world around him. Here's the deal, guys. You can grit your teeth and be like, I want to be a better person, and you can't do it on your own. If you could, you already would have. But if you'll develop a discipline of time in the presence of God... Over time, God will change you to where it won't be like, I have to get up and decide how I'm going to live and what I'm going to do. No, no, no. It'll just become who you are. It'll just flow out of you to the point where others look and go, man, there's something different about that person. And yes, there is something different. The difference is I have a light shining on the inside of me. It's changed the way that I act and it's changed the way that I think and it's changed the way that I treat people Before long, it begins to change my family, and it begins to change my neighborhood. It begins to change my community and even begin to change my world. And what could happen if Christians like are sitting in this room today would make this decision? I'm going to spend time in the presence of God so much that it begins to transform me from the inside out. I'm going to be so different that it begins to make a difference.